Welcome to P3 Radio. The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ handle. Give a lesson. We're coming for you, baby. <laughs> that was my moment of I carried a watermelon. And if you're going to call me back tomorrow, whatever I do. <laughs> you better believe I took my turn a little bit. <laughs> what? Cool story, bro. PG3 Radio. Nope. Here's your host, Josh Riley. Ladies and gentlemen, next up we have crying little blind children. Richard Mulliken. I don't know. Is this making any sense to anybody out there? It's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulliken, joined by my co-host and best friend, Josh Brawley. Say hey, Josh. I am so pissed right now. You have not even told me happy anniversary. Well, happy anniversary, Josh. And what are you in, what are you alluding to here? It is our anniversary episode of P3 Radio. P3 One ra- year. P3 Radio. Year. P3 Radio has been around. Anniversary. P3 I'm so happy. <laughs> well, if I can get okay. a word in edgewise, P3 Radio has been around for one year now, and we have a special guest on our one year anniversary. Josh, who is that? That is none other than Nightmare Danny Davis. Nightmare Danny Davis. Uncle Danny. Uncle Danny. He doesn't do a lot of these podcasts. I mean, uh, honestly, if you look back at our, his record, he probably doesn't do any at all. He, he's done a few shoot interviews, but not a lot of podcasts. Only JR. Colt Cabana. Stone Cold Steve Stone Austin. Cold, and, and now it. And now P3 Radio. So we are in great company. So, following this commercial break, you're going to hear an interview with P3 Radio and Nightmare Danny Davis, who we refer to as Uncle Danny. After these words from... Let's go with P3 Florida. Yo, man, come to Florida. We got all of the sights you've been wanting to be seeing, man. Come to SeaWorld, free your willy man. Come to Legoland, everything is awesome. You can come to Universal Studios, get your Marty McFly on, man. You hear the trash can drums, man. Josh, I love it. Josh, Josh what, are you, what are you doing, man? Huh? What are, you, what are you doing? This isn't Jamaica, this is Florida. What? I heard the trash can drums and I just got excited. Well, I'm they're sorry. called steel drums and everything you, else you pretty much said was okay. But we want to say also that if you book with Florida Ticket Station, your tickets are guaranteed by the state of Florida to be valid. So your vacation will be on point and where it needs to be the right way. So go right now to Florida Ticket Station by visiting them at tinyurl.com p3florida and book your Florida trip today. That's tinyurl.com slash p3floridamon. Once again, it's Florida, not Jamaica. I'm sorry. When you go shopping for wine, do you look at the labels? Do you stare at the price and wonder if the wine is worth the expensive tag? Well, stop it, because Wine of the Month Club has you covered. Every month, Wine of the Month Club is going to send you two bottles of high-quality wine right to your front door. 
And what better way to say I'm thinking of you than a subscription to the original Wine of the Month Club for a friend or a sweetheart. Each month they'll be reminded of your thoughtfulness and will receive the monthly wine letter and newsletter binder. Recipes, wine knowledge, and great wine, and the opportunity to get more of their favorites is at hand. Give with confidence and joy knowing that you're a part of the original Wine of the Month Club. By the way, there are no dues, no fees, no hidden charges. Cancel any time with no obligation. Just pay no more than $23.96 plus shipping for two great bottles of wine. Go there now. Sign up by visiting our link, tinyurl.com slash p3wine. That's tinyurl.com slash p3wine. The Wine of the Month Club, the original wine club since 1972. Welcome back to more P3 Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now on the P3 Radio Hotline, he is the first professional wrestler that we ever met. He wrestled all over the world. He's one of the most respected wrestlers, trainers, promoters in the sport of professional wrestling. He's also been known as a nightmare, an American eagle, a Galaxian, and Uncle Danny. Uh, We are honored right now to have one of the best wrestlers that we have ever known, Nightmare Danny Davis. Mr. Davis, thank you for being a part of P3 Radio today. Hi, guys. How you doing, Josh and uh, Richard? And though you have to say Mr., just call me Danny. (laughs) Well, It's a pleasure being here. Well, we appreciate you being here. Like I was telling Josh earlier, you know, we... Uh, I, I kind of worked my way into the family in a backdoor way with Josh here, and I always hung out at family gatherings. So anytime I always saw you on TV, you were Uncle Danny to me as well. So so we just always <laughs> – but we didn't know how you would feel about we coming on here and calling us calling you Uncle Danny on a podcast. So, But that's fine. We'll do it if you'd I, like. I, I, have, I have no problem with that at all. But if you, <laughs> if you hung around Josh, and I know you did, you, you weren't very picky about, about your friends, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were the only two that could stomach each other. So you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> there you go. So what? No, you're you're, you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> so what age do you remember first seeing wrestling, and what would you say was the moment you knew that you want to be involved in the sport? Yeah, it's, it's a real interesting question because you know I grew up in Bemis, Tennessee. There, uh, actually, not far from uh, where uh, where you you lived, Richard, and not far from where you know Josh uh, lives. But um, my you know. My mom, my dad, uh, we used to watch wrestling. They're, they're out of uh, Jackson. I think it used to come on WBBJ TV. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know why I want to say a Thursday night, but that seemed like that's when it used to come on. Probably wasn't, but that's just what comes to mind. Right. And I, I remember telling my telling my uh, folks, you know, and I, I, I was probably a teenager, and, and I remember saying, you know, I, I think I could do that. And, you know, and I remember, I remember my dad, you know, I called him Pop. I remember my Pop saying something. And he's like, ah, just get you, get you a real job, boy. You know, so <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, that, 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 that kind of stuck with my mom because uh, later on, and, I, you know, I didn't break into the wrestling business until I was about 24. So I was, I was an old, old guy, basically, getting into business. But uh, um, it was, I, I was a teenager when I, when I first remembered watching wrestling on on that it was uh you know lynn rossi bearcat brown you know and and you know tojo yamamoto jerry jarrett you know all you know all those guys you know the von brauners all those guys back in the day well i mean who would you say were some of your favorites you know during that time well the one person that inspired me to want to get in the business that i really liked 
and I actually tried to emulate when I was getting in the business was Lawler. It was, there was something about Lawler that, that you know, I, I don't know. I took a liking to, even though he was a bad guy. You know, everybody hated him. It was just his mannerisms, everything about him was, was well, it was, it was just something that, for whatever reason, I connected with. And, and it's, it's, it's just something that, that, you know, made me want to get into the business more. You know, I don't know why it was that, but uh, I... Uh, uh, it's just something that I felt like I had a connection there. Right. Well, that would have been probably in the Lawler and Jim White and Sam Bass era, right? That is correct. Yes, well, that, that, that is correct. I was thinking about something today. I was thinking about, you know, a lot of people talk about Sam Bass and what a great, you know, on yep. the guy on the mic he was, what a great manager he was. Yep. Unfortunately, there's not really a lot of film that's still left around, you know, on Sam Bass. I mean, you got to see him right. on TV live. What kind of manager? Yes. What kind of manager was Sam Bass? Well, you know, compared to what? I mean, you, you know, I mean, like if if you if, if you want to compare him to today's managers, you know, there was no comparison because back in the day, you you have to remember, Memphis wrestling was was a regional you know, promotion, but all the fans thought it was worldwide because that was the only thing they saw. Right. So Sam and even, you know, like, you know, Jim White, those guys, um, and I mean, no disrespect, but they were like, kind of like me, a country bumpkin, you know, just, uh, kind of a, kind of a redneck or a hick, however you want to say it. (laughs) And so, you know, they were great for that region, but, is it something they would have ever, you know, been able to pull off worldwide? Maybe in the time they could have, but in if you look at today's, you know, uh, business compared to then, it's it, it's it's different. But right. but for the time, Jim uh, 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 Bass was he was he was great. You know, he was great for the era. And he was great. He was great with Lawler. Do you know? Do you remember? Uh, you know. You know. Sam got. You know. Sam got killed in a car wreck. Yeah. Him and Pepe Lopez and it, Pepe Lopez and Frank Hester. And and I think the one thing that made Jerry Lawler an even bigger star and more hated was the very next week he came out and, and his promo. You know, uh, Lance Russell. I think was interviewing him. He was talking about. Well, you know, your your manager of this, that, and the other, and. Lawler just basically just glazed over and says, eh, good riddance, dead and gone, whatever, something like that. You know, I don't need him. I can do it myself. Oh, my God. So that that right there, to me, that right there kind of cemented Lawler, you know, and, and, and made him something. Because I don't think anything like that had ever been said on TV back in that. Because that was about 1974, 75. I can't remember when, when Sam, uh, you know, those guys passed away. I, can't I think remember. it was 75, but. Yeah. I'm not okay. certain. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll 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 tell you I'll tell you a quick story there. Uh, you know, not to get off track here, but uh, those guys were coming back from Memphis, Tennessee, and you know Lawler was supposed to be in that car. Um, hello. Yep, we're here. We're, we're here. We just like to listen. Okay. I'm, okay. <laughs> uh, so Lawler was supposed to be in that car, but um, uh, something happened, and he I think he took a plane to go to Nashville or something. Well, one other guy from Jackson, Tennessee, was in the car from Memphis to Jackson, 
And he got out of the car, kissed the ground, and said, thank you, Lord. You know, wow. uh, and that was Phil Hickerson. Wow. And, um, um, and, you know, Sam Bass and the other guys never made it to their destination. I think I so, read uh, something about that not too long ago. I, I was researching yeah. Phil Hickerson for some reason. I think I, I read that story, but that's amazing. Yeah. It? And, and Lawler said in his yeah. book that what they used to say yeah. is we don't drive there, we aim. And we get yeah. there. Yeah, they just they just shoot in a direction, and that's what they when they get there they get there quicker. But uh, but yeah, that was yeah. a crazy story. And th- didn't they uh, they had a wreck underneath a, like a paper truck? Um, I think I think what happened was there there was there was a gentleman uh, whose car or something had stalled on the bridge. He was around the one around Piney River one sixty three or one sixty two mm-hmm. mile marker. Uh, going towards Nashville on Interstate 40, um, and so I, I think there was a gentleman in the, and this was like sometime. Obviously, it was dark at night, and the gentleman was in the road trying to wave down, you know, the the car, and they didn't see him. So they they hit this individual and then plowed into this uh, um, other vehicle, whatever that was, mm. you know, and uh, and then you know, met, unfortunately, met their demise there. Right. Well, you know, going switching topics a little bit here, you know, it's no secret. Yeah, we, we, yes. we talk about you a lot on this show. We talk about, uh, as we said in the open, you were, you were the first wrestler we met. We looked up to you a lot. So uh, when we were kids, we always felt that pride when we'd see you on TV. So that's no secret. But one thing that may be a, a secret to you, and I'm a little scared to say this now, even though it's been like 20 years since it's <laughs> happened. Uh, but we used to, when we were like seven and eight, six, seven and eight, we used to go into Miss Briley's house, and she would be sewing, yep. and we would go back into the back room there where there was a closet that had all this gear, and right. we would put that gear on and pretend to be the nightmares and wrestle dummies in Miss <laughs> Briley's living room, and we always tried to put things back exactly how we found them. Did you ever knew, know that we did that? <laughs> well, here's, here's funny, it's funny that you mentioned that. Mom kind of mentioned something about it, you know, and it didn't bother me. But I, I did notice that some of the things were moved around in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm going to tell you, at least, you know, it's good to know that family came out on top. I, I'm at least maybe an eight-time, you know, global light heavyweight champion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, good for you. <laughs> you you you, you beat my record. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were talking before the interview, and uh, me and Josh, we've, you know, not bragging on ourselves, but we've been doing this for almost, well, for a year now, and we've had Olympic gold medalists on, uh, show hosts, we've Super had wrestlers, Bowl Super Bowl champions. We actually did a simulcast with a guy for Sirius XM Radio uh, and did his show, and we both said, we, nice. he, he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he goes, are you more nervous than anything? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm terrified right now. I'm terrified right now. You know, even more so, you know, we knew we were getting allotted 30 minutes on XM radio from, you know, on yeah. a national platform. But right yeah. now I'm more nervous yeah. than I was for then. I guess it's just because, you know, you were like, you know, the, yeah, you the were, you Yoda were, right. of wrestling to us. You know, we, we, you know that, that's the only way I can describe it. Well, that, that's very nice of you, but you... you 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 don't have to be uh, you don't have to feel uncomfortable or nervous because I'm I'm just me I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not a pompous guy I've never I've never been that way so well, except except putting care now that's different <laughs> well you know Yoda was that way too yeah but you know yes. 
Yes. Who would you say are some of the guys that helped you early on in your career? Oh, that's you know, that, that that's really easy. Believe it or not, it was it was it was Dundee. It was you know it was Lawler. It was those guys. But the the guy that actually helped me the most was from Lexington, Tennessee. It was Tommy Gilbert. I I, I loved Tommy. I, I I thought Tommy was the absolute best technical wrestler that ever lived. Tom, he, he was so good. He could tell a story in the ring that was just uh, you know and and just. He could he would grab a hold and make it something and 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 just he was just so so good, but uh, uh, Tommy Tommy really really took time to to help me along and I, I I just I you know I just I felt blessed to to be in the locker room with him that 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 was that was something that because I, I I kept my mouth shut and I just I listened to him talk and then you know, and, and learn from that. Did you, uh, did you ever get to work with Mario Galento? And if so, I mean, what type of guy was he? No, I did. I did not. No, I did not. I did not work with Mario. I, I did. I did get to work with Luthes twice. Well, that's oh, awesome. Nice. Well, I mean, the reason I bring up Mario Galento is because I, I think uh, now, I may be corrected, but, I mean, if I'm not, you know, whatever. But I think he went on Memphis Radio in maybe 1977 or something like that. And he ex- he, he pretty much exposed at least Jarrett, yes. Jarrett's part of the business. And he said, those guys, you know, they're, it's predetermined outcome, blah, blah, blah. What I do is real, this, that, and the other. And I, and if I'm, I think I've heard a story about him you know, bringing a knife on TV, trying to murder Lawler or something like that. Yeah, that's a true story. Oh God! Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that's true, but uh, you know, it just he's one of those guys who, who uh, you know, uh, time times were changing, and um, you know, some new blood was coming in and to do some different things, and and you know, he he didn't he didn't want to accept change and. And um, uh, those things did did pretty much happen. Right. Well, I've heard as well, Mario Galento had a... a he was, he a, was a tough guy. He yeah. Was a tough he, guy. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron Fuller, he has a podcast. It's the uh, Studcast. You can get that wherever podcasts are available. <laughs> he paying um, you now? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, at least I'm not going to tell you. I mean, you know. <laughs> Go ahead. Either way, uh, Ron Fuller's... You know, he's talked about in some of his first podcasts about Mario Galento and his dad, your trainer, Buddy Fuller, getting into shoot fights, yep. you know, on the, the, you know, while in programs working main events with each other, they would also get in things, you know, in Atlanta, Georgia, like at the freaking supermarket or whatever, if they seen each other. Yes. They got arrested several yes. times. Well, yes, and, 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 and it was done. It was done for dramatic effect, and it was and it was successful. Oh, right. You know what I find shocking about all this is you mentioned Luthez and Josh keeps hammering on Mario. Well, I mean Mario <laughs> no, was a okay. scary guy. Mario was a scary guy. If you I read get it, everything, I get it. <laughs> he's like the boogeyman of the seventies. I mean, come on. Well, yep. uh, another guy that another guy that you were close with, and. Uh, I assume you're still close with him, was Jim Cornette. How did you meet up with Jim Cornette, and do you have any good stories that you can share on our podcast? Um, 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> JC, you know, JC, uh, back when I was, this is when I was first breaking into business, probably 78, I, I'm guessing. Um, uh, Jim Cornette's mom used to come to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, at the Louisville Gardens, and and JC would always come with her, and, and he, you know, he would take he would take pictures of everyone. He would he was the ringside photographer and whatnot. Did a did an awesome awesome job, and uh, that's that's how I met him, you know. And uh, um, you know, at, at whenever whenever he and Jerry Jarrett got together, um, and Jerry offered him a job as a manager, um, Jim got his mother's blessing. And he did so, and then, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Galaxians, uh, Danny Davis and Ken Wayne, were the first tag team that Jim Cornette ever ever managed. Wow! And um, um, so that that's how I met that's how I met Jim. He, he was uh, he was a ringside photographer, you know, at first, but obviously I got to know him. Uh, you know, very well throughout my career in the business. And um, when I opened my wrestling school in Louisville back in the early, early 90s, 91 or 92, uh, this was before OVW 93, mm-hmm. uh, um, I knew Jim was, was wanting to get get away from what he was doing. And I figured he would come back home to Louisville because uh, um, he would eventually live in his mom and dad's house. And which he which he does, and um, I figured that would be a, a good place for that would be a good place for me to kind of uh, set up shop, and uh, if the opportunity ever come, he and I could do business together. And as it worked out, we did. So um, to get to tell you a quick Jim Cornette story, everybody knows that that uh, Jim Cornette is like me, kind of a raven lunatic, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, because um, because he and I are not that dissimilar. We have a lot of the same traits, with the exception of Jim being the smartest man in wrestling. And and I, I've always admired. I, I love that guy to death. I mean, I would I would take a bullet for Jim Cornette. He is he, he's awesome. But uh, we we were taping a TV show early early on. This was probably a year after WWE. Uh, uh, we started training guys for WWE. Um, we, I, I was do, I was doing the video editing at, at at my desk and everything. Well, something happened, and it, and Jim Cornette, you know, went went out of his mind. I, you know, I, I don't know somebody, <laughs> so I did something wrong. So Jim Jim comes in my office, and and I don't see him, but I hear this loud crash because I'm still doing what I'm doing at the uh, at the editing ed- editing bay and whatnot there, you know, and because right. this is like during a two minute break. So I turn around and I look. And my office desk is turned upside down. <laughs> <laughs> turned upside down. It's like, what the hell happened here? You know? And so so after the show, Jim come in, he goes, Well, what's wrong with your desk? I said, Well, somebody told me you came in and turned it over. He goes, Oh my God, I don't even remember that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that's blind rage at yeah, its best. That's awesome. I mean, you know, I guess you can kind of. JC and I have been friends. We've been friends for hell, uh, 35, 36, 37 years, somewhere like that. So, you that's know, hey, awesome. I, uh, I know how JC is. He knows how I am. 
and we never had a fight. You know, we, we were able to, you know, we never had any arguments. We, 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 you know, he did what he did. I did what I did. And we, you know, we clicked. It's just that it's the way it was. I think that's how it is with me and Richard. I mean, we've had our, you know, our puberty fights. Yeah, we grew like up like brothers them, and, you know, know, brothers fight. But, I mean, yeah. like now, you yeah. know, he knows how I am. I know how he is. You know, we don't step on each other's toes. We just, you know, we yeah. have a good time. I would dare say that he knows more than uh, than my wife does about me, and I probably know more than his wife does about him. <laughs> Boy, that let's be. That speaks volumes about the secret you do have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, well, were you already in the business when Nick Goulas and Jerry Jarrett had their falling out? Uh, no, I was not. I was I was a spectator. Uh, I used to go to the Mid South Coliseum every every Monday night, and most of the time, I'd take my son Dwayne, who was little at the time, and and we would go and we would watch. Um, you know, some weeks it would be Nick Goulas' crew, and it was not that good. The other, the other times it would be, you know, uh, uh, Jarrett and Lawler. You know, so um, well, uh, as I was a, a spectator. I was a spectator during that time. As a fan, I mean, did you know something was askew during that time? Oh yeah, yeah, yes. And 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 I, I don't know what it was. I just, I just knew that. You know, I mean, I did not know that there was a big falling out because back in the day, you never heard any of that stuff. Right, you know, right. you know, there, there there was no internet, there was no social media, there was nothing, there was nothing put out like that. I just knew that that a bunch of guys that used to be on Nick's show were now doing their own show, and then right. and then a bunch of, bunch of guys that I never saw before were coming in and doing a thing for Nick. You know, uh, I had no clue what it was well like you know when i got into business i I, when i got into business you know i I found out well during that time i mean were you able to get both shows nick's show and jerry jarrett and lawler show no i just i just you know if if wrestling was somewhere i just you know and 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 i was able to go because i think at the time uh um we lived in memphis so i i think it was just something that that, that that I went, I went to. Right. You know what right. I mean? Okay. I, w- I was a spectator, and I went to. But uh, no, I, I just I just saw the. Uh, I remember watching uh, Jarrett and them with. with uh, I remember Lance Russell and Dave Brown jumping from Channel Thirteen to TV Five, which because I think Channel Thirteen was out of Memphis was when I guess Nick Goulas and them had their show. Yeah. I right. think. And then, then then they switched over to WMC TV five, and I think that was the Jarrett and Lawler era with with them. So right, it was like uh, a that, package that, deal. That, that, uh, Lawler, yeah. well, Jarrett and Lawler. Well, Jarrett brought Lawler in. He said, "If you come to me, you know, I'll give you whatever." And then eventually, yes. he got Lance Russell, who was the like the main guy, the programmer at Channel Thirteen. Yeah, and he yes. got him to switch and be the programmer at channel five you know which was a big thing in memphis altogether oh absolutely well and and two you got you got to remember when this was this was 1976 76 or 77 something like that so so lance lance was making big bucks at the tv station but from what i understand i think jerry jarrett them offered him 50 grand a year to come do their thing just on TV. Wow. Oh my God! So, 
yeah, and this yeah. was back then. That's so, like a hundred thousand so dollar contract now. That's either and maybe more, maybe than, more that. than that. Yeah. You know, either way, probably probably more than that. Yeah. Jared, Jared Lawler that, or, that or salesman. A, they knew they knew that they knew that Lance Russell and Dave Brown were the key. They had to have them because they were the face, basically, of Google's wrestling before. So right. They had to have them. Right. They were smart. They were smart. So, and it worked. So, going to give you a little spoiler. A little bit later on, I'm going to ask you, uh, and I always do this because we, we've interviewed wrestlers before, and they said, I wish you would have given me a heads up on that so I could have thought for a minute. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to yeah. ask you what the best rib you, you remember seeing or playing. That's so, not implicating okay. anybody. Yeah, not implicating anybody, just it's keeping just, it positive. You know, I was, but, you know, I heard about yeah. this or whatever. So, so, in a little bit, I'm going to ask you that, but Josh has got our next question here. Who got you okay. booked? Who got you booked in Calgary for Stu Hart Stampede Wrestling? Oh, golly, Bill. Well, Ken and I went up there. I think Ken made the call to Stu. I don't know. Um, yeah, Ken made the call to you know to Stu and them. Because back in the day, you know, we you know you know the guys. We we booked ourselves. We made right, calls right. to get to get work. So it was it was basically you know basically Ken I think he called up there because I I know I didn't call yeah. and he was telling me about it and I said sure let's go <laughs> and I, I remember us leaving I remember us leaving in June and we left um, in his white Mercury Cougar wearing shorts <laughs> and we and we got to Calgary in June and it was freaking snowing. Wow. Oh my so, god. Yeah. In June, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so like really taking what? that, really taking that Christmas in July thing to heart, huh? <laughs> uh huh, absolutely. Wow. So that you know that 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 was an eye, you know, an eye opener right there. Well, that brings us to the next question: Did you ever get yeah. to go to the legendary Heart Dungeon? Oh, good lord! Yes, I stretched guys in there. Oh, <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah, I, I worked out in there. I worked out in the gym there. The whole there. Me, me, Dynamite, Davy Boy, Jim Lineheart. We used to all train in there. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's like, uh, yeah. I'm going to tell you, I'm super nerd marking out right now. Yeah. I love learning new wrestling knowledge. Whenever I learn something new, it's yeah. like a one-up, you know, yeah. Mario and, and now mushroom. I'm, and now, yeah. even though you told us not to, now I'm even more nervous. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may remember. Like, yeah. Man, go ahead. Go ahead. I no, go it. ahead. I love it. it you know, if, if if you can learn if you can learn one thing every day, you know, you the rest of your life, you'll <laughs> you'll be a very wise wise individual. You're right. <laughs> you are exactly right. Well, I re I may remember this wrong, but I want to say we were up in Louisville. We were visiting uh, one of our tri uh, trip up there to see OVW. Uh, we were excited. We were on a car ride. I think it was the Rock and Rumble, the first yeah. Rock and Rumble, where Mick the Foley and the Fabulous Ones, right. Kurt Angle, the whole nine yards. So everybody we, was there. We didn't Ryan. sleep at we didn't sleep at all the night before because we were so excited. We were going to get to go see all this stuff. So excited. We're like sixteen, and I may I yeah. may be remembering this wrong, but I want to say that you mentioned something about when you were in Calgary, you uh, helped train Owen a little bit. Yeah, I I, uh, I I did help Owen a lot, and uh, he and I, you know, he and I got along real good. So when when Owen when Owen passed away with his tragic accident, I uh, I took that really hard because he he you know not to knock anybody, but o Owen was uh, you know he he was probably 
one of the best best heart kids that you know there is. I mean, he just just uh, he was a a great guy. Loved a rib, and you know, he just easy to get along with. Just he was just he was a genuinely good guy. You know, he and, was, uh, he I took was that a, very took that very personal. He was a black belt in the art of ribbing. He was a you know a master at yeah. the art of wrestling, and you yes. know. He really showcased his talents, you know, at least in 93 and 94. He got that win over yep. Brett at WrestleMania yeah. 10. You know, that was so important. And, you know, to, you know, just to a kid back in the day, man, Owen, it's almost like you knew Owen was better than Brett. It was just he was yeah. the bad guy. Right. Right. But Owen was the man. He, he, you know, you know, I spent a lot of time with Brett, too, but, I, you know, Brett was good, but Owen, Owen in the ring was probably, uh, you know, he was uh, he was probably the, the the best of the group, and, and and that's not to disparage any of the others. You know, that they were all good in their own way, but there were just there was just something about Owen that was different. You know, I right. he was just he, he he was different, but he was different in a good way. Right. So. Yeah. Well, what were some of the road trips like for Stu? You know, did he have a loop like the oh. Memphis Territory, or was it just oh my scattered God. spot shows? Yeah. Yeah, let, let me let, let me give you. Okay, so we had we had Calgary. Okay, so we we lived in Calgary. Okay, so let's just say on Monday. Okay, Monday was Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I forget how far that was, but it was like to the end of the earth. And <laughs> and when we when we we left early in the morning, we got there when it was dark. So we got out of the van and we go into this arena the first time. And guess what? It's an ice. It's an ice hockey arena, and we're wrestling on ice. It's 32 degrees in there. Spectators are in coats, and we're out there in you know our leotards and whatnot. Holy crap! And 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 in in rings that have been set up for hours. They were frozen in place, and you take a flat back bump, and all you could hear is your bones cracking. Uh. It was it was brutal. So Tuesday, Tuesday we we were in Regina, Saskatchewan, in a in an old cattle barn, and so uh, it was a nice little arena. And Wednesday, uh, well Tuesday night from Regina, Saskatchewan back to Calgary was 500 miles. And right smack dab in the middle, 250 miles, was one gas station. You had to make that gas station by a certain time or it was closed and you were stranded. There was no there was no way. So, you know, we had to get there. <coughs> Pardon me. So then we made it, got back to Calgary. And then on Wednesday night, we were in a little town called Red Deer. And then Thursday, we were in some kind of spot show. It could have been Leachfield or whatever up there. We had a riot in that town one night, and I'll tell you about that uh, later. But uh, um, <laughs> then fr Friday was Calgary, and s Saturday night was Edmonton. We worked seven days a week, you know, wow. which is the way it was. Wow. And and it was it, it 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 was it was brutal, but it was it was it was fun. That was probably the most uh, uh, craziest territory that I ever worked in my life. <laughs> Because the ribbon, the everything went on up there. It was just, it was totally insane. All because basically of, of, of dynamite and you know, Davy Boy, you know. But but man, it was it was it was insane. Tommy, <laughs> well, look what they said about you. <laughs> well, you know, listen to that story. Regina seems like probably the least favorite thing I'd ever have about anything named Gina. 
So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. We talked about crazy crowds there. That actually works right back into our next question. You know, we talked to Bill Dundee uh-huh. a couple of months ago, and he talked about a fan stabbing him in the chest with like a nail file or something. And uh, we've also I've also talked to my mom about those crazy crowds that used to be at the Armory here in Jackson. And um, yeah. Uh, did you ever have a run-in with a fan or a crazy place like that that you thought, well, I'm going to have to fight my way out of here? Oh, yeah, several times. <laughs> Me and Kenny had to fight our way out. Um, we had a, we had an incident in Mobile, Alabama one night. We were working with the Armstrong boys, and uh, uh, we had a hot finish. And uh, we Kenny and I left, left the ring, and these two guys jumped the rail and pounced on us. And... Uh, uh, I immediately went to what I had learned in the, um, you know, the, the, the school that, that I broke into was, uh, I had my finger in the guy's eye socket and popped his eye out. So, um, <laughs> he let go real quick. And then, uh, then, then I went to assist Ken there with his and got his guy off, you know? So anyway, uh, that happened on, on a few occasions. I, I, you know, um, I wasn't happy, wasn't proud of that or anything like that, right. but it was something that, you know, you, you know, didn't know what this guy had. So right. I went straight for what I knew would work because that's how I was taught. And right. so, um, um, you know, needless to say, you know, um, no issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you guys, when you went to Continental, yeah. you guys instantly got into a heated feud with the Rat Patrol. And my question yep. is, like, was the end game always being the white-hot feud with Tommy and Johnny Rich? Yeah. Like, you knew yep. whenever you went there for, uh, I guess, Ron Fuller, that's what it's, it's ending up going to be? Well, no. Uh, basically, it... Uh, um, we were brought in for we were we were only supposed to be there for a three month trial. Uh, we Bob Armstrong actually got us in there because we Kenny and I had worked in Georgia and we worked with Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong at the time, yeah. and and we had we had matches with those guys that just tore the roof off the houses. I can imagine. So Brad went back. So, so Brad went back to you know his dad in Pensacola, who was uh, one of the bookers at the time, and said. Hey, you got to get these guys in here. And so, so when, when, when our time came up in Memphis, you know, uh, we got booked in Pensacola. Originally, we were only going to be there for three months because back in the day, you stayed about three months and then you went somewhere else. You know, you, the, the, every, everybody just kind of rotated around. Right. That's the way the business was. But we did such a good job, and I'm not saying this because I know. I'm saying this because Ron Fuller, told me so right uh he said you guys did such a good job we kept you here for a solid year and they never really did that to anybody but we we you know we we had we had record-breaking houses uh uh that me and kenny you know sub sub headlined and headlined you know uh uh that that made made that territory a, a whole lot of money so it, it it worked out real well Oh, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite feuds all time in wrestling. I mean, I mean, when I think about all of my, you know, bullet points, you know, from a kid and growing up, anything, it's always the Nightmares versus Johnny and Tommy Rich. I mean, it was so white hot, you know. Tommy Rich was a big deal. Yeah. Back in that time. I Tom, mean, and you Tommy guys yeah. you guys did things that agitated the situation so much 
that made those fans want to kill yes. you. I mean, want to, yes. you know, and, I can't imagine going to a Circle yeah. K trying to get gas in your, your Lincoln Continental. Knowing you're you know, going to have to rip somebody's eye out. So, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, see, the, the, the good thing is you got to remember, we wore masks, and, and so right. so once we got away from the, the arena, you know, nobody knew who we were. They really right. didn't. I mean, yeah, we had blonde, we had blonde hair, but they didn't know who we were. So right. that that part of that part of it was easy, because Ken and I always we always if, if if we were like two miles from the arena, three miles, that's when we would we would suit up with our hoods. <laughs> Nobody ever saw us without them. And that, that that you know we protected that identity. We 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 definitely did, and it, it was for a good reason because you know. Back, uh, do you remember when Johnny Rich was out for a long time? You know, he got stabbed and almost died. Mm-hmm. Well, they blamed that on us. So that was another reason. That was that, another reason. Is that it, where he got the nickname so uh, Johnny Crash Rich? Did they say it was a car accident it or something? Could have been, yeah, could have been. But uh, him and him and uh, Tommy went out to some redneck bar down there, and and again, not to disparage redneck. That's just that's what it is. <laughs> we right. can completely you know, and and look, I'm a redneck. You can tell right. in my voice. Right. I you don't can, mind. You can say it if you are. Yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. We are from Bemis <laughs> too, man. We are from Bemis <laughs> so, too. <laughs> there you go. And so um, uh, they they went out to some bar, and you know, one thing led to another. I guess somebody got mouthy. It was probably Tommy. And so uh, Johnny ended up getting stabbed and almost died. And so, you know, to keep our angle going, we stepped in and we just, we did everything. And we had black leather sleeves made that had RIP, you know, <laughs> on them the whole nine yards that, you know, we we took credit for it. And, you know, we, we, we you know, we took the ball and we ran with it. And uh, it was, it was, it was, it was good stuff. Well, I remember, you know, getting a tape. I guess it was maybe Christmas of 87. You had a like a best of thing or whatever. You, at least you gave it to me. And I seen a segment where you guys, you know, you and Kenny had, you know, you were still masked. You brought flowers yeah. on the show yeah. of Continental. And Gordon Soli Gordon asked Soli. you, he asked you. Gordon Soli. Why do yeah. you gentlemen have flowers? And you said, "Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? We're gonna call Where's it the Where's Johnny." Johnny. <laughs> we brought these flowers yeah. in memorial for Johnny Rich. I mean, I think they yeah. said he had a car crash or something like that. But something, you said that right. you put him out of of action and this, that, and the other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You know what the greatest thing I think about yeah. that whole story was. Uh, you you mentioned like no one saw you without the mask. You were living the anti superhero like DC Marvel gimmick back when it yes. was yeah. I mean you were you couldn't reveal your secret identity because you might get stabbed <laughs> yes. and have to rip somebody's arm, eye out or break their arm. So you had to put the mask on <laughs> for their safety and yours. <laughs> That's a good analogy. It was real good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, we mentioned Continental. We mentioned guys that, you know, was in the back with you, all the talent in that locker room. Uh, when you walked into a yep. locker room in Continental, who would you say was the guy that you gravitated to the most, the team, the guys, the ones that you just like to be around? Wow. Um, 
you know, I, the Fullers, I guess, you know, simply because I had a connection with them because their dad broke me in the business. And, and, you know, I, 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 I kind of knew a lot about the family, knew what they were, but, you know, I, uh, um, that and, you know, the Armstrongs, I mean, I, you know, there was Brad, you know, and there was Steve, there was Scott. I mean, those, those guys and, uh, um, oh, Brian, you know, Brian Armstrong, I, uh, um, have a, had a history with Brian when he was first breaking into business. So, you know, I just... Yeah, the, those guys, I guess, because, you know, it wasn't a big territory, I mean, as far as talent-wise. And the good thing about the, the, the Southeastern Championship Wrestling or Pensacola at the time was uh, we traveled, we worked, let me give you the schedule there. Uh, Monday night we left, okay, Monday was uh, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. It was a 500-mile round trip. Tuesday was Mobile, Alabama. That was like a 100-mile round trip. Wednesday was off. Thursday was a spot show. That was like, I don't know, a 100-mile round trip. <laughs> Friday was a spot show close to Dothan, Alabama, because we we, we taped live television. Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't live, but we taped television Saturday morning in Dothan, and we always worked in Dothan, Alabama on Saturday night. Uh, and then Sunday... In the afternoon, we worked Montgomery, Alabama, and then kept our gear on and drove straight back to Pensacola, which was about three and a half, four hours, uh, to work Pensacola. So that was our that was our our circuit there. But wow. talent wise, we probably didn't have we had less than twenty guys in the wow. locker room. Wow, that's now that, that was southeastern. Now, in the Continental days, it was a little different. You know, we kind of branched out a little bit. TV was taped in Birmingham, the whole nine yards. So, but but Southeastern, uh, that that was different. It was a that was a really really fun good time. <laughs> Got to go to the beach a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you returned to Memphis, they had already bought World Class in Dallas at that time. Now, how often did you guys on the Memphis end have to travel to Dallas? for the ESPN uh, tapings? Uh, I made that trip every every uh, Thursday night. We, we uh, uh, They had rented Waylon Jennings tour bus. They had a driver. And uh, me and Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> would uh, have a bunk close to each other because we hung out a lot. And uh, um, I helped, you know, I helped kind of mentor Steve a lot. And, um, um, Several of us. I think there was like eight of us, eight of us on the bus, and so every every, I think we went once a month. I can't remember. I think because I think we taped like three or four shows, you know, back in Dallas at the mm-hmm. time. But yeah, every every time the bus left, uh, you know, I was on it. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny though. You brought up Steve Austin, and on his podcast yeah. and his book, he he credits you a lot for his you know development when he was coming up, and he tells this story. Yeah. And we have brought you up to just about every wrestler that's ever worked in OVW, around you in Memphis. We brought this up to him. He tells this story about how he was in a battle royal with you, and you gave him a chop. Yeah. You, you kept yeah, chopping him. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he said he left you a note about in your locker about what you could do with your chops. What would yeah, be... He, he, uh... He eliminated himself from the battle royal because I used to, 
I used to beat the crap out of him. I, I, I would I would make his chest bleed too. And so um, uh, he went back to my locker room and left me a note. You know, I'm not going to say what he said on it, but basically what I could what I could do with that and the blankety blank uh, chops. Yeah. So anyway, but it was. It was all in jest, you know. It was yeah. all in fun. <laughs> well, my, my question was: Was that the best reaction from your chops from another worker that you ever got? <laughs> yeah, as it relates to that, yes, it was. It was I mean, how do you top that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm gonna leave you a note that. in your locker, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I remember finding a promotion when, when I first got cable called GWF. Josh brought it up earlier. And looking back at that promotion, it had a pretty stacked roster. You had a young X-Pac, Marcus Alexander Begwell as the handsome stranger, Chris Adams, Booker T. The list goes on and on. But there was also the one name that we were so excited to see, which was Nightmare Danny Davis. Uh, GWF right. was also the last wrestling promotion that ran full-time on ESPN. Do you have any good memories or good stories from that era? I, I got to be honest with you. Um, the, and I hate, but but I don't. And 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 and, and you know, it's you know, I, I worked with Steve Austin a couple of times there. Um, I, I worked with Tom Pritchard a lot, but um, I think I think maybe one of the reasons I I, I don't have any me- really good memories of that is because the trip was so long, and just everything that we did was just. You know, it, 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 it's like we were, we were we were up without sleep for like three days, <laughs> and so so I, I you know just I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to get somewhere and lay down because see now I was one of those guys who I never did drugs I never did any kind of pills or none of that crap you know I was basically just you know I I, I just never did that stuff and and you know there there were guys that chose to do that you know and 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 I was trying to hang with them natural <laughs> so, it, you know, and and you know there, there were times i would just doze off so i you know i mean there were things that we did on the road trip things that i i can't talk about and won't and won't ever even put in the book i've been asked several times to do a book because i have a lot of things i could but i i'm i'm not that guy i'm not that guy to you know uh say those things you know i just i can't some things some things are just you know they're just better left unsaid i mean they make for great great read and whatnot but but you know it, you know could affect some people and that's just that's not who i am so right and that's the one thing we always want to do with this show we we want to have guys on tell good stories but we don't want to try to bury anybody or try to do anything that's going to incriminate Bingo. anyone so we definitely exactly. don't want to do that we don't hold trials <laughs> no. that's for sure <laughs> yeah good <laughs> uh, did you relocate to louisville with the intention of opening a wrestling school uh, no, I, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I was in the territory at the time, but, you know, in the gym I used to work at, I, I met this, met this, uh, a lady who, who I later, you know, ended up marrying, um, uh, you know, um, and so I, I was on the road a lot there, you know, and, um, one day I just, one day I just had, uh, uh, I guess I just had enough. I just, you know, stretched and, and and said, you know, I'm done. I think I'm just going to open a wrestling school. And because, uh, like I said, every Tuesday night we're up to Louisville Gardens, and 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 you know, at the autograph table and whatnot, guys and gals were constantly coming up to me, wanting to know how to get into business, how to get into business. And 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 the fact that I had helped 
uh, a lot of guys like, you know, Steve Austin and uh, a bunch of others, you know, I felt like I, I, I could uh, actually be a decent trainer. And so I, uh, I spoke with Lawler and Eddie Marlin at the time, and, you know, they gave me the blessing to do, to, to do that. And so I, uh, um, I kind of, you know, recused myself from the road and you know, just started training, training, you know, people that wanted to get in the business. That's how that started. So. Nice. Well, we only have a couple more questions. We've held you way over longer than what we said we were. Uh, but we only, have okay. a, we only have a couple more questions, and this one's kind of a loaded yes, question. Uh, when, you were training, okay. when you were training, what was the one yep. thing that you looked for uh, above all else in a wrestling hopeful, and what was your biggest pet peeve? Also, who were some of the guys that you trained that are probably some of the most notable that really succeeded? The, you know, the, the, thing, the thing I look for is, uh, uh, this may sound crazy, but I, uh, I, I, watch, I watch a talent's feet. I watch how their feet move. Mm-hmm. And, and that tells me if, uh, you know, if they have charisma, that tells me if they're uh, clumsy, that tells me, you know, uh, a lot about them. And um, I... Um, just, just something about that. That, that's the first right. thing I notice on, on, you know, when training somebody. I, I watch their, I watch their, uh, their movement of their feet. I watch how they, they get around, how they move around the ring. Hmm. That tells me, that tells me a lot about them, but also tells me what I need to do to make them better. Right. Something, something simple as that. Something just as simple as that. And, okay, and what was your other question? <laughs> what would be the biggest pet peeve, and some who who are some of the guys that you have trained that has been successful? Well, the the pet peeves were were just guys that would just start throwing chops for no reason, simply because they couldn't do anything else, and they were they they were doing it for that you know pop, so to speak, rather right. than you know trying to keep someone interested in you know in a story things like that, you know, but, uh, I mean, you know, when you talk about some of the guys that, that I liked training, I mean, you, you know, you can't, you know, first of all, there was Nick Densmore, Rob Conway, uh, trailer park trash, Doug Basham, you know, and there's, uh, Jason Lee, there's, there's guys like that who, who were my core guys. But then, you know, when WWE come along, you know, I was tasked with, uh, uh, making uh, something out of uh, a lump of clay, a guy <laughs> by the name of John Cena. Right. And so, so right. That, that that right there was good. I mean, then you know Batista. Then you had, uh, uh, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar. I mean, gee whiz, you know. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, there, you just, you, you know, Big Show. I, I I I remember when Big Show um, and Mark Henry came. Uh, I was I was tasked by Jim Ross every week to take them to a uh, 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 facility over in Louisville, Kentucky, and have them get on scales because I didn't have scales big enough to weigh them. <laughs> and so each week, each week I had to send a report in on their weight because I was tasked to trim them down and, and whatnot. Well, one week, uh, Big Show, bless his heart, who is a great guy, he decided he wasn't going to go weigh in. Well, <laughs> Missing that weigh-in cost him a week's pay, oh. and uh, if I told you what that week's pay was, you'd, you probably wouldn't believe it. So <laughs> let's just let's just say let's, that week's pay was more than I've made in a year in a lot of times. Wow! So um, so a Disneyland um, trip. 
Yeah, and so um, needless to say, he, he didn't miss any more weigh-ins. But um, um, yeah, so you know, I, I got those. You know, I got to work with those guys. But you know, just it, it, it was really, it was really a. a it, it was more a, an effort on. It wasn't just me. I mean, it was. You know, I mean, uh, um, all of my guys: Nick Dismore, Rob Conway, and you know Frank Miller, uh, trying to park trash. All those guys, every one of them that were there, they all had a hand in helping these guys because, and I told this to Jim Ross, I said, I think one of the reasons OVW was so successful in training the best professional wrestlers that have ever come out of any school, bar none, and that includes the, uh, the, the performance center. I still think our, our crew is better than any of them. Definitely. And maybe I'm prejudiced, but I, uh, and I think one of the reasons is, is that, See, I, I had a crew of guys that already had five and six years under their belt. They were already experienced. And so when I had a green guy in the ring training, I would put an experienced guy in front of him and behind him mm. so that no matter what he did, he was put in the right spot every time. Right. And and, and I think I think all of that tied in, you know, with, with, uh, with the success of it because, honestly – when Bruce Pritchard came down and, and, you know, and offered me the job to do it, uh, um, I said, how many of these guys are you wanting to come out of here, at a, you know, in a year? And his exact words were, if we get one, we'll be satisfied. Wow. Well, we gave them a hundred and something <laughs> yeah. over, over, you know, like almost nine years. Wow. So we blew that out of the water. And, 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 and like I said, I think a lot of that had to do with obviously Jim Cornette, you know, with his, with his, you know, he knew television and knew stories. He, he, he's a master at that, you know, and, 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 you know, we just, but, but as, as it relates to in-ring training, all those guys being, being, you know, the green guys being put in with experienced guys, that right there, I believe was the biggest key to OVW success that there was. So right. there you go. Well, What's the best advice that you could give to someone that's wanting to get into the wrestling business? Well, understand that today's business is completely different than than it has ever been. There is basically only one place to go in the United States to go and make money. There's a limited spot on that roster for you. So if you're going to get in the business, you need to understand that you have to be unique in your own way. You have to be different. You can't be a carbon copy of what's already there. You have to be something different that they can market and make money on because they come first. They'll make money first and if you make them money, they will make you money in return. And I'm speaking about, you know, WWE. Right, right. Well, I remember in 1999, like I said, we got up there to Louisville uh, visiting you guys, and uh, and Josh looks at you and goes, Uncle Danny, when Richard turns 18, he's going to come up here and train with you guys. And you looked at Josh, you looked at me, and you said, Josh, if Richard comes up here when he turns 18, I'm going to send him back to Bemis and tell him thanks but no thanks. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't one of those things where you were cutting me down. It was one of those things that, you know, I ended up training with Bill Dundee, working in the Memphis Territory for about 12 years, and I yeah. get it. I get it yeah. now. It was something I had to get out of my system, yeah. but I get it now. It was one of those things where, once again, you were being Uncle Danny and saying, you don't want to do this. Yeah. It, it provided a good life for me, but you need to do something else. So that was something something that right. I appreciated later in life. And I don't think I ever got a chance to say thank you. Uh, I should have well, probably listened. No, 
no, no, that's okay. But no, it was, it was, you know, just leaving home at an early age like that, you know, would have been, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to understand. I, I'd been through a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things, and then, you know, I, you know, I always, I never ever wanted to crush anybody's dream, but you know, and and but I, I, I think, I think you made the better choice and not, not, you know, relocating because who knows who. You know, who knows what kind of man you would be now. <laughs> right. I know what you are. I yeah. know what kind of man you are now. You, you know, you're, you're a, hell of a, a hell of a guy. You're <laughs> a hell of a dad. And, and, so, and so is Josh. Right. And, and, and I have to be honest with you. See, I missed out on that because I was always gone. I was not that good of a dad. I, you know, I wasn't. And, 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 and I regret that to this day. I have a great relationship with my kids, but, but I missed out on so much. And, and. You know, you being an 18-year-old kid, you know, thinking, you know, thinking about coming up there when you're 18, you know, things like that, I, I, uh, I kind of took to heart. And you, you made the right decision, I think, by staying local, uh, because you know, you, you're a better man today for it. That's just, that's just me. Well, I really appreciate that, and I know Josh does too. Most for me, definitely. for me, yep. being a dad's probably the best thing I can, I could ever say that I was. Uh, ever done with my life and you know as far as you know being a person I mean it couldn't have got much worse so having a kid was even better for me (laughs) in that that regard (laughs) yeah well we'll make this the last question you know and then we'll get out of here what uh you know without incriminating anybody or anything like that holding a trial what would you say was at least one or some of the best ribs you've ever seen or been privy to hearing a story about? Um, well, it involves Andre the Giant. Wow. <laughs> Andre loved ribs. And so he, he came into Memphis many, many years ago. And while we were sitting in the locker room, there was this guy named Buddy Wayne that brought a suitcase in and sat in the middle of the room, turned around, and walked out. Everybody looked, looked. By that time, that suitcase started moving. Andre, he took notice, and the suitcase opened up because zippers on the inside. This little kid stood up, stretched, yawned, and just walked right out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, and of course, Andre loved it. It was, it was Ken Wayne's brother. <laughs> so that right there, that right there, sticks out more than anything. To be honest, <laughs> I can't, Im- I can't imagine like what's going through everybody else's mind. You know, sitting in the locker room, thinking, yeah. "What the hell is this guy coming out of this?" <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I guess the most important question is, did Ken Wayne's brother know that he was in the suitcase? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. As he long as he purpose. was voluntarily <laughs> right. in the suitcase, <laughs> then it's okay. He yeah. agreed to it. Yeah, we, we don't like to bury people or uh, accuse anybody of kidnapping or anything on P3 Radio, but... <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, hey, guys, I've had a real good time, guys. Thank you all very much for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Well, we oh, appreciate yeah, you. Definitely. Once again, Nightmare Danny Davis. We know him as Uncle Danny. He has been awesome for us in P3 Radio. He was a great promoter, great wrestler, great everything, and one of our heroes. Once again, Danny Davis, thank you for being a part of P3 Radio today. It's my pleasure. Score Big is the leading online marketplace for tickets to sports, concerts, theater, and family events. 
ScoreBig allows you to purchase last-minute tickets to sold-out events. Also, the latest on sales of popular artists, teams, and productions. They'll get you in. They safeguard your transaction with a 100% money-back guarantee under a secure checkout with interactive seat maps to guide your purchase. And whether it's an Atlanta Braves game, Metallica concert, or a WWE event, they've got you covered. Book your seats now at tinyurl.com slash p3events. That's tinyurl.com slash p3events. Well, the sound of that song means we've reached the end of today's episode of P3 Radio. We'd like to thank Uncle Danny for being here. <laughs> no, it was great having Nightmare Danny Davis on. He doesn't do these things often. We understand that, and we respect him even more for being a part of P3 Radio today. If you'd like to hear some of our archives with interviews like Bill Dundee, Pete Gass, Headbanger Thrasher, not Mosh, Thrasher. Now, I think Mosh is in there somewhere. Well, you have to look hard. You might find him. but He's in you, the archives somewhere. If you want to hear those archives, you, you search iTunes for P3 Radio, one word, or go to apps like Podbean, Podcast Addict. Beyond Pod. Beyond whatever. Pod. Yeah. And just type in P3 Radio 1, not P3 Radio 1, leave the one out. Just P3 Radio. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's P3 Radio 1. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Josh, what is that? It is Pop Poncho. And if you want to give us a call, Josh? 731-300-6675. That's 731-300-MORK-FROM-ORK. And as always, you can send us an email at P3Radio1 at gmail.com. Or send us a voicemail or text at that number we gave you just two minutes ago. <laughs> I think it's P3Radio, the number one at gmail.com. You said it very softly, sir. Oh, sorry. P3Radio, the number one at gmail.com. Send us an email there. Send us a joke. Send us anything. Send us whatever. Yeah. We want feedback. It'd help if you motherfuckers bought some we Vista want Vapors. We would be awesome. Buy some $5 Vista <laughs> Vapor feedback, motherfucker. You realize how much debt we're incurring on this show. Seriously. Uh, would, I mean, I'm taking out a title loan yeah. on my 77 yeah. Ford. Book a trip to Florida with P3 Vista. The, the trash no, can that's, drums, that's, you'll hear them. Yeah. you hear the trash can drums. Yeah, I mean, do something for us. I mean, we're... Look, we're fathers. Seriously, it's literally p3radio1 at gmail.com. We're going to open up a PayPal for that. You can send mm-hmm. us money yeah. if you feel sorry for us. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, it's kind of like Goodwill, but it's more direct Goodwill. Yeah. This started out as an exit, but it's slowly turning into. <laughs> we're burying a charity. I mean, how many people listen to this? We'll find out, I guess. Well, it's at least 27. Well, we're going to end the show right here. For Josh Brawley, this is Richard Mulligan saying thank you once again, and thanks to Uncle Danny, and good night.